No, you ready, Ma? I'm ready, Erin. Let's go. Let's go to St. Louis. St. Louis? Well, you can say St. Louis since the name of the movie is Meet Me in St. Louis. St. Louis, the summer of 1903, right before the World's Fair. Yes. Wasn't the Ark Assemble Arch? Oh, we already busted into my nerd alerts. Assembled for the World's Fair? Well, here we go. Glad that I happened to look this up last minute. The 1903 World's Fair is not the, the professional name, it's professional name that it goes by. No, it's formal name that it goes by is the 1903 Louisiana Purchase Exposition. Exposition. It was from April 30th, 1904 through December 1st, 1904. It was to celebrate the centennial of the Louisiana Purchase, which was in 1803. So, yes, I'm time. listening to American Scandal about that right now. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. It was known for its, uh, like the different, like the World's Fair used to be a really big deal. Yeah. Um, so it's part of the technology that kind of was showcased was the wireless telephone. Oh my God, a wireless phone? Yeah, an early fax machine. What? An x-ray machine. Dang. Like a whole bunch of other stuff, but I was running out of time. And I thought as well, well, the arch, is that part of it? No. (gasps) The St. Louis arch was completed in 1967. Wow. 1967? It was, I believe it was started in 1964. Dang. Yep. Well, never mind then. Yep. Never you mind. Well, let's have those particulars then. All right. So, Meet Me in St. Louis was released on November 22nd, 1944 in St. Louis. The United States got to see it on February 28th, 1945. So, the movie takes place in, like we said, 1903. Which, to compare it, so that was, um, I don't know, I did the math. It was something like 40, like 41 years mm-hmm. prior. So it would be like today in 2019, watching a movie that was set in 1978. <laughs> well, that's... That was just a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, so just to give you... Because, you know, we're watching this old movie... 1944 and it's also a period piece of 1903 so sometimes i like to do the math in that way to put it in perspective so you're like Uh okay it's like we're doing a period piece for 1978 and it does and that's the crazy thing because like you said that feels like yesterday to you and so the people in 1944 1903 felt like yesterday to them and we, we're looking at it like, yo, what is going on? <laughs> All right. So the particulars. We have, it was directed by Vincente Minelli. I almost said Vincente Minelli. 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 
who also did an American in Paris, The Bandwagon, Gigi, The Bad and the Beautiful, and Cabin in the Sky, just to name a few. Hmm. He also was married to Judy Garland in 1945. Right after this film. Uh-huh. And to, to, and then I forget when they got divorced. Did it say how... Okay, so I, I don't know when she... How old was she? She, I did the math. Interesting. I sound like such a nerdlinger. With, I did the math. No, but I did want to know because she looked so freaking young. She was 22. So she was, really. She I was mean, 22. Okay. I, while I was working on the particulars, was listening to episode number 62 of the podcast you must remember this Mm -hmm. it was about mgm child stars and it was about judy garland and mickey rooney ah so there's some stuff coming up later and that's i got some stuff from that and i can do some from um seeing the movie judy just recently nice okay also so Minnelli, you might be like, wait a second, why does that sound familiar? Liza Minnelli. Yes, that's her father. Yes. Produced by Arthur Freed. He also did An American in Paris. Gigi, Singing in the Rain, Cabin in the Sky, Annie Get Your Gun. He was an associate producer uncredited on Wizard of Oz. I should mention, I usually don't mention the studios, but this is an MGM joint, so... A lot of the people, Louis B. Mayer. Yeah, a lot of the people. A lot of the um, they were known for musicals at this time. So yeah, and if you saw Judy, then you know that Louis B. Mayer was a bit of a bully. Well, I came across for this Arthur Freed guy who was responsible for a lot of the MGM musicals. I in Wikipedia, Shirley Temple made the claim that. Arthur Freed exposed himself to her. Oh, Shirley Temple. To Shirley Temple. And Shirley Temple didn't, like, she was young and didn't know about. That was a bad thing. Yeah, male anatomy. And she started laughing. And he got, (laughs) he got super mad. And then I think it kind of like, like everybody like, and like was like, you get out of here. And then she was like, that was really good and that was why she never made any more mgm pictures or maybe she made like one and then she was like yeah i'm done so i don't know wow um if there are other stories but yeah i loved shirley temple doing her imagine her little giggle (laughs) and he's like oh my gosh i could just i i don't have one of those things but i would imagine like Oh, I don't. That sounded wrong. Um, <laughs> I'm just wow. guessing. Like you never want to be laughed at, and but then I'm like, oh, and I would hate to be laughed at by a little girl. But then it's like, I wonder what situation would that ever happen? Like you would deserve it then. Yes. So that's yes. That's why. That's why. Is Shirley <laughs> Temple like problematic? Has she, has she come out with any? Because I really like her right now, and if but. If she's done pro- anything problematic or something, then I am unaware of it at this point. 
So yeah, I don't. Yeah, don't hold but, me to this. Don't hold me to my liking of her right now. So it, it was probably like a George Costanza situation where he's going, "I'm cold, I'm cold." But but it's Mom, because I'm so cold. But see, the, the problem is, is that under what circumstance ever would a grown ass man have to say like, "I'm cold, I'm cold" to Shirley Temple? Who it was? She wasn't Senator Shirley Temple Black. It this was little Shirley Temple. This was child Shirley Temple. So yeah, she was an ambassador. I don't think she was a senator. Was she a senator? Go I, ahead with the we're, particulars. We're gonna have to do a Shirley Temple movie now because <gasps> <laughs> oh we, we have so many I used questions. To love Shirley Temple. We have movies. so many questions about Shirley Temple, and at least then we would probably get to see a black person on the screen yeah well not in a good way okay go. um screenplay was by irving brecher who was uncredited work on the wizard of oz he also did shadow of the thin man zigfield follies bye bye birdie and fred f finkelhoff who went to vmi and that's the virginia military institute and Strike Up the Band, At War with the Army, and The Stooge. It was based on a 1942 novel by Sally Benson called Meet Me in St. Louis. She also wrote Junior Miss and Women and Children First. She also did the screenplays Shadow of a Doubt, Summer Magic, Come to the Stable, Viva Las Vegas, and Anna and the King of Siam, Nerd Alert, she is not in the St. Louis Hall of Fame. Mm. I found that to be unbelievable. I don't mean to disparage St. Louis, which I'm probably going to later in this podcast. But St. Louis, what are you doing? The, the woman wrote, literally wrote, meet me in St. Louis. Like, there's not too many popular American titles with St. Louis in the title. Exactly. You, exactly. You can't honor your girl? It, wh what? How many famous St. Louisans are there? There can't be many. <laughs> I mean, no offense, but I'm going to say this a lot. It is St. Louis. <laughs> St. Louis. Missouri. Missouri. Okay. okay. Missouri. Um, the music is by George Stoll, who also did... He was the musical director of MGM from the 40s and 60s, so every MGM musical this guy had his fingerprints in, like Babes mm. in Arms, Anchors Away, you know. The director of photography is George J. Fosley. He also did Green Dolphin Street, Adam's Ribs, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, Animal Crackers, whole bunch of whole bunch of movies. Edited by Albert Ask, who did Forbidden Passage, Zig. Field Follies, Brigadoon, Somebody Up There Likes Me. Here we go. Starring Frances Ethel Gum. But you may know her as Judy Garland, as Esther Smith. She was in a lot of movies, but we know her from The Wizard of Oz. She was also in The Harvey Girls, Easter Parade, Summer Stock, The Pirate, Babes in Arms, A Star is Born. And Judgment at Nuremberg. She was in Judgment at Nuremberg? Yes, she was. Oh, okay. Margaret O'Brien as Tootie Smith. She was also in Jane Eyre, 
The Secret Garden, Little Women, Perry Mason, Murder, She Wrote, Mary Astor as Anna Smith, the mother. This woman was in a ton of silent films. And then she was also in The Great Lie, The Maltese Falcon, Little Women, The Palm Beach Story. She won a Best Supporting Actress Oscar for The Great Lie. She was also, her last film role was in Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. Oh, hello. Leon, she familiar. Leon Ames. That's because this woman was in, that woman was in so many movies. Mm-hmm. Just like, jeez, lady. I'm probably missing a few because there was that many movies. Oh, yeah. That my eyes just were like, what? Uh, Leon Ames as Mr. Smith. He was also in Little Women. The Postman Always Rings Twice. On Moonlight Bay. Peyton Place. The Absent-Minded Professor. Son of Flubber. Tora, 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 and Peggy Sue got married, to name a few. Was he was he Peep Toad Pump's husband in The Postman Always Rings Twice? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Okay, moving on. Tom Drake as John Truitt. He was in Rain Tree County. Also a bunch of movies. He was also in Lassie, 77 Sunset Strip. Perry Mason and Combat. Marjorie Maine was Marjorie Maine. Katie the Maid. She was probably most famous for being Ma Kettle in the Ma. Yeah, I wrote it down. Is that Ma from Ma Kettle? Yeah, Ma Kettle. Ma and Pa Kettle movies. Yeah, she had the same hairstyle. She was also in The Women in 1943's Heaven Can Wait and Friendly Persuasion. Harry Davenport played Grandpa. He was also in Gone with the Wind, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Foreign Correspondence, and Little Women. Also, this guy, it's like the Mary Astor situation where he was in so many movies. Right, right. You you recognized him. You're like, geez. Well, maybe. I you, didn't. Yeah. But well, then when I <laughs> saw all the movies, I was like, damn. Yeah. Whew. Someone like someone that I knew of called him the greatest actor ever of all time. Really? It might have been like Betty Davis, somebody like that. Or you're like, hmm. oh, that that means a lot coming from those lips. Hmm. June Lockhart. Yes. She played Lucille Ballard. So is she the mom in Lassie? Yes. Okay. She was in Lassie. She was in Lost in Space. Yes. And Petticoat Junction. Petticoat Junction. I used to watch Petticoat Junction. I I wrote it down because it sounded familiar. I'm like, Mom know this. Mom knows it. So there we there we go. There you have it. Oh, lots of lots of people. There okay. Were, yeah, well, there was a big family, and if they didn't tickle my fancy with any titles, I didn't write them down. Yeah, there was a son. The son uh, didn't even have a link in Wikipedia. The oldest daughter, she was in ballet. And she worked for a little bit and then she got married to the former president of Mexico's son and went down to Baja, Mexico. And they started a whole bunch of like haciendas and resorts and stuff. And then she was was business partners with (laughs) Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball and Bing Crosby. And so she was, uh, and then she... Yeah, she was like back and forth and stuff. Okay. So she did well for herself. 
So we start with the with the, the some music, and then we see a lot of Victorian houses, and then we go into one of the Victorian houses, and there are women making ketchup the way I make salsa. Oh my gosh! I thought I heard them say they were making ketchup, and yeah. I was like, that does not look like ketchup. No, it looked really bad. I want. Oh, you know what? Keep talking. I just thought of a good reheatable. It reminded me of probably the ketchup we used to get at Burger King in Trier. You know, when, you, when you're when you used to Heinz and you go to a foreign country where they have runny, uh, nondescript ketchup, man, it can even make a Whopper taste off. I'm just saying, like, whoo. Yeah. I, I was looking at that. I said, I know that they did not just say ketchup to describe that monstrosity. They did. Ooh. And then we have a girl singing, a young girl singing, Meet Me in St. Louis. And we have an old man singing. Wait, is this the girl? Okay, go ahead. I'll, go, I'll come back to this later. Uh, and outside, they're also singing... And Judy Garland comes in. Now, a moment on her hairstyle. I had questions. Okay, so so I did write down, they, they kind of had cult hair. Cult hair? Cult, C-U-L-T, cult. Like James, cult. Jamestown. Jonestown. Jonestown, cult <laughs> hair. Like, like Kimmy Schmidt hair. Mormon hair. Like, yeah. like fundamentalist, the polygamist Mormon hair. Yes. Be uh, uh, okay, so so she had these bangs that just, I mean, a thick, a thick amount of bangs. I'm, I'm using my fingers on my forehead. You people can't see it. it. It's a huge swath of hair. But, Ma, let's think about this now. This is 1903, St. Louis. So, yeah, she has pioneer hair. Mm-hmm. It's humid in St. Louis. Oh, it's we're coming in August in St. Louis, people. Now, her bangs reminded me. Uh, I went to school with a little girl of color, and what? she was little as far as being a very um, small in stature girl. And um, she used to amaze me because in fourth grade, she I remember sitting across the room from her where we could look at each other and she would be able to like put her hair back in a low pony, but just take like an inch width, an inch of, of depth of her hair in the front and just pull it out and then roll it on her finger and have instant bangs. Yes, I had so seen that too. She could have bangs or not have bangs on any given moment. Wow. I thought that was the coolest thing and I had ever seen. You were like, I want that for my children. I said I wanted that for myself. <laughs> and then I remember in high school, we had been, you know, so we were in the same grade level all along. And in high school, something happened. I don't remember what it was. And I said something to her about being a friend. And she looked at me and said, we're not friends. And I, uh, it took me years to realize, no, I had never invited her to my house. 
you know? We had never had a play date. She was right. I never treated her like a friend. I just thought proximity equaled friendship, but it didn't. So she was right. But she was like a work friend. Because at that age, like, yes. she's like school friends. So you were you were probably like, yeah, we're friends because we're at school, which is like little people work. Right, right. But then she was like, I haven't been to your house. No, she so was woke. Like, oh. She was woke at that point, And I totally wasn't. Not that I am now. But uh, so it but it took me years to figure out. Wow, that's right. You know, she was right about that. But I did always envy her ability to make or not have bangs on any given day. Yes. Okay, so um, Judy Garland comes in with this hair that is probably an auburn color, but, um, you know, and we usually see her with dark hair. And then, so she has this fluff of bangs on her forehead, and then she has all this straight hair going down her back. Yes. Okay, so... it's, It's a lot of bangs, and it's it's, it's 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 its own marvel because you don't see where the it's like what you were talking about you don't see where the end of the bangs are because they're no. just rolled so right. to me it looked like if you've ever seen a 30 year old vacuum cleaner turned upside down with all mm-hmm. the hair that's around the roller wow just yeah. slapped on her head yeah you must have seen that as somewhere other than here i always clean my rollers at my yeah, it wasn't there. That was a total lie, listeners. No, it was my vacuum. Your hair wouldn't, like, your hair's iridescent. It would not have shown up in the vacuum cleaner. No, but it could clog up that vacuum. Okay, so anyway, they're saying they have to have an early dinner because Warren Sheffield is telephoning tonight during dinner time, telephoning Rose at 6 o'clock. Uh, And everyone in the family is expecting Warren to propose to Rose over the telephone at six o'clock. And somebody says, you know, she isn't getting any younger. I think I think um, Judy Garland's care. I think Esther says that. Probably. Okay, so Rose arrives. Judy Garland and Rose are on the porch um, uh, rather admiring a new neighbor man. John Truitt. And um, rather kind of being creepy about it. Well, he is, it's, it's a, it's weird. My man Vicente, I had questions about it because he's on the lawn and he's just wearing like white slacks and uh, like a sweater, but it's like, it's supposed to be an athletic sweater. And I believe he has like a pipe or something in his hand maybe i'm imagining mm. that because it's just kind of standing on the lawn waiting it looked like waiting for people to admire to him. admire him and that did make me laugh but yeah i did like john truitt because usually i don't like those kind of characters where it's like yeah he is it but there was something i found very charming about john truitt where okay. I, I was like ah, huh I, this john he might be a good kid so Esther, Judy Garland, is immediately smitten with him. And I believe that Rose, her older sister, tells her there are more important things in life than boys. Now, at this point, Judy Garland Esther has on 
a like a dress and then pantaloons. Well, this is and- her athlete attire because she was playing tennis. Oh my yeah. god. You would never see Serena rocking this outfit. Well, the good news was she it, it was striped purple and white, but the the top dress part was vertical stripes. The unfortunate thing, the <laughs> leggings were horizontal stripes. Never put horizontal stripes on your legs. Never. <laughs> Never. I mean, Never. It, it, all of the costumes were very interesting. Oy. Okay, well, and then I thought of in the movie Judy, uh, Louis B. Mayer is saying to a young Judy uh, during the filming of Wizard of Oz, you know, you got to suck it up because you got this part. Other people wanted it, and you're lucky to have it because you got thick ankles. <laughs> now, as being one who has legitimately thick ankles, that's 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 rather a, a cut to the heart. And she didn't have thick ankles. Well, Louis B. Mayer, nerd alert! I got this from episode sixty-two of My Favorite Murder. Louis B. Mayer referred to Judy Garland as my little hunchback. I, he was awful so, to her about her looks. Yeah, okay. no. Then she stands on the, on the porch singing, How Can I Ignore the Boy Next Door? And when she sings, you're like, well, that's why she's a star. Uh, and and Louie would say that. You can sing. You, you don't have anything else. You know, you got the thick ankles and you got the, you know, the unfortunate, your eyes are too wide apart. They're okay. really far apart. During, uh, then we go back to the kitchen where the canning of the ketchup continues. Ugh, tragic. Then we have the ice wagon coming. My mom used to talk about the ice wagon coming. Okay, youngins, circle round. <laughs> There was a time before electricity when you had an ice box, which meant you would get a big chunk of ice and you would put that in the bottom of said ice box and it would keep your stuff cool for like a day, maybe two days. And and you had to have a place for the runoff water as it melted and you'd get another chunk. Now, kids used to chase after said wagon delivering the ice chunks because they could chip off little bits of ice from it and that was like it was hotter than hell no air conditioning and they used to love those little chips of ice it didn't even need the the artificial flavors or anything it was just that cold chunk of ice melting in your mouth this is 1903 people where yeah Oh, oh what's for dessert a chip of ice and you're happy and you're happy. I so, have a question, though, Ma. Okay, I'm listening. How did the ice man make the ice if there was no electricity? Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> wow. Right? Did not expect that to come from... Because I'm not going to say that they went to Alaska and shipped <laughs> it. So I don't know. We'll have to look that up. Yeah. I have never asked that in all the times I talked to my mother about that ice. Right? You never asked that? Well, where did they get the ice from? 
I never did. Can you please make a note of that so that we can be sure to research it and have the answer next week? Ice. Because I, I am, made a I am note confused. Of it. I'm like, well, did they just use gas or something to make it cold? Huh. Like, they have to use some sort of chemistry, I'm imagining. There has to be because it was hot. So, so how do you make it? How do you freeze ice with no electricity? Wow. Okay, we'll get back to you, listeners. Um, okay, so anyway, one of the one of the little sisters of Judy Garland is riding in the ice uh, wagon, correct? Yeah, so I thought, I just assumed that this little girl was the daughter of the ice man because he's definitely an ice man. Yeah. He's not an ice boy or anything. And um, I'm not going to cast any aspersions on him or anything, but... It just seemed to me that the Iceman would kind of be in the same class as like any sort of um, true public. pedophilia. Yeah. Okay. So, and then it comes out that that's not his daughter, and I'm like, wait a second, who is letting their little girl hang around with the Iceman? And then you find out that that little girl's five years old, and I'm just like, St. Louis, 1903. What is going on? Little five-year-olds can just be running out in the streets and just hanging oh, yeah. out with the Iceman? Yeah. He's the Iceman. He goes from door to door. This is, It's like, you, can you imagine a little five-year-old hanging out with a taxi driver? I don't... I know my voice is getting high up there, but I'm getting agitated. <laughs> Chris Rock is back. I couldn't believe it. Okay, um... Actually, in the American History Museum, there's a whole thing about ice. I have pulled it up. Okay, so everything everybody's talking about is the World's Fair. The World's Fair is coming. Aaron's already told you the dates. All they talk about is the World's Fair. And they're so excited because also we skipped over the little girl who is, her name is Tootie, and she's the youngest sister in this Smith clan. Um, who I guess she's the youngest and they're just like, whatever. I think she's like the fifth kid. So maybe that's why she's allowed to just hang out with the Iceman. Um, anyway, she's going on and on about how St. Louis is the greatest city in the world. And wow, that really is the opinion. That's a five-year-old opinion there talking. Cause I'm like, slow your roll. You don't know any other cities, little girl. I've been through St. Louis twice in my life. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it's a bad city, but I'm not gonna put it on the pedestal of world's greatest cities. But that was the feeling of pride that the World's Fair coming to St. Louis gave. St. Louis. Yeah, because uh, to bring it into into present day, it's a flyover state. So, you know, people on the coasts tend to ignore the middle of the country. And they, here they were getting all this attention from the whole world for the World's Fair. Yeah. Okay, well, this is, it's quite an article, people, on the ice 
being cut and then Mom, what are you the, doing we said the, we were gonna okay. come back to this okay i went down week. a rabbit hole i know okay. you can go through a rabbit hole when i'm doing my thing but this is on you you're setting the table you don't have time There's, to be finding out about ice i apologize okay so n- another song uh, meet me in st louis uh, the sisters are all singing it father's walking up the uh the walk into the house and he's hearing him talk about it. And he's going, the fair won't open for seven months. He's a lawyer. And the maid, who is Ma from Ma and Pa Kettle, um, somehow we know her salary is less than $12 a month. Because evidently she's not, oh, this is what's happening. The father refuses to have dinner pushed up so that um, Rose can get her telephone call. So Ma Kettle is like making dinner happen really fast, go going really fast so that dinner will be over by the six o'clock time frame. And so he's going, well, maybe we need a, we need a new maid. Because-, well, because the mom, so the mom tells, I don't know if the yeah the everybody's in on it at some point. So they they go to the maid. Hey, this is what we need. Can you make this happen? So she's like, Yeah, I can make it happen. And then the mom gets brought in on it, and they're like, Okay, but you know your father hates it. And they're like, Yeah, but like, c- come on, you know how he gets when he's in the room and we're tra- trying to talk on the phone, ma. So she's like, all right. Because the phone is in, in the dining room. The dining room, yeah. So then when the dad comes home, dad's like, they're like, it's going to be, he's not going to want to eat dinner early. And sure enough, he comes home, he doesn't want to eat dinner early. And I'm just like, why? Until I hear the reason why. And then I'm like, my man, he's got every right now. Because he wants to take a soak. He wants to go wash off all the sweat from the day uh, and take a nice cold soak in the bath and i was like my exactly. man my man is supporting all of you people he exactly. gets to go sit in the soak but then so then the mom throws the maid under the bus saying that that's the reason why dinner has to be an hour because she has to go home because her sister is having a fight with her husband which is all a lie a it's lie. all put on the hired help Yep, the hot who is white, but mm. mom pot kettle. We said that. Yeah. Okay, well she's putting one tiny ladle of soup in their bowls, and then uh, her name is Katie, and she's moving dinner along so fast she doesn't even bring out the meat dish, and the father's going, "Where is the uh, corn?" They're having corned beef and cabbage, so then she hurries that along. The telephone rings. Alonzo, I believe, is the son. I don't know if he has a line in the whole movie. Well, he's Alonzo Jr. because the dad's name is also Alonzo. And they're sitting at the dining room table. Mm -hmm. And Alonzo, every telephone call isn't for you. So Rose is on the phone and then she is crying. Uh, we do hear the other end of the phone call. Warren does not propose. I forget what his phone call is even about. He's Mostly just, the fact that he can make a phone yeah, call. Yeah, like his that. phone call is that he's, I think, in New York, and he's yeah. having a phone call there. And, um, yeah, that's that's about that. And it, Isn't this cool, Rose? I can talk to you. I'm in New York. You're in St. Louis, and we can talk. Yeah. And she's like, 
Okay. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> and they can't hear each other all the time, so there's yelling into the phone. But yet, the, um, everyone at the table can hear him, but she it can't. It, it's technology. It's in its infancy. It was an agonizing phone call. They can't hear each other. Uh, there's, there's no, no engagement. And there's no chemistry between these two whatsoever. No. It was very awkward. If you ever saw, I know I've referenced this before, but the epitome of awkward is Michael Jackson, Priscilla, um, what's her name, Presley, yes, the daughter, uh, with that kiss. That was pretty that, awkward. Yeah, so that is, and this was pretty awkward. Okay, well, they're going to have a party for Brother Alonzo because he's leaving for Princeton. Dad's working, man. Um, and um, then there's something about men don't want the bloom rubbed off. Personally, too much bloom. So I think all all uh, Judy Garland is thinking about is John Truitt kissing her. Yes. And and others oh. are trying to warn her. Well, you the, know? the sister says, I have it. Nice girls don't let men kiss until after they're engaged. Dang, you engaged. don't even know what you're buying into. I, I think that I'm like, is that 1903 or is that Hollywood trying to make us think that was 1903? You know what I mean? Like I really in 1903? But then you're like, I don't know. It's It's weird. The past, yeah. because you know, but then there, it's humans are humans. You're gonna tell me that, you know, nothing happened until people were engaged. No kissing until you're engaged. There used to be that you know, like the men would come and call on the woman, and they'd sit in the little parlor. They had the little room in the front of the house, and there would be a, a, a chaperone. Until they were engaged. Yeah, but isn't this like upper middle class and rich people? Mm -hmm. Like this isn't this isn't regular folk, the salt of the earth people. <coughs> no, because who cared what they did? Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. I'm like, or is this what we've <coughs> been led to believe in old pipe dreams of how it used to be? So you're yeah. selling us this image of America and the good right. old times. Right. Because you couldn't have a sullied wife. I mean, my God. But we're, we're probably all from sullied people. Like descendants of sullied people. Mm, you certainly are. Okay, so then we have a trumpet solo. And we have a song and dance. Skip to Malou. Okay, 1903. Think of, think of euphoria on one hand. And those parties, 2019. And then these are the teenage parties in 1903. With You don't even have the annoying person sitting around with the guitar. No. <laughs> it's a girl with a trumpet. <laughs> a trumpet, I tell you. A trumpet. I'm like, who? Who? What? And then later in the party, they all do a dance. And I'm like, when did they, when did they choreograph this whole dance? How does everyone know this dance? I don't know, but they do. It's to skip, Lulu, skip to Malu. And at this point, I wrote, she doesn't even have thick ankles. <laughs> okay. 
Tootie, I was drunk last night. Dear she, mother. Yeah, she I don't... sings the song. So oh. so they're having the party, and then Tootie and Agnes. Tootie, the little girl. Yeah, yes. the, the little girl who was in the ice trunk. And is wearing her night dress. Yeah, so then they at come, the party. They come down because, you know, it's the older kids and... And they're like, what are you doing up? And it's like, bitch, how am I supposed to sleep? You you got a girl <laughs> playing the trumpet. Freaking trumpet. And now you're, you're everyone's skipping to my loo. What did you think? So then everybody thinks she's adorable. And she sits on Alonzo's lap and she sings this song. And it's about how she's been drunk and she's never going to be drunk again. And it's funny because it's a little kid saying they're drunk and everybody's laughing. And then... They have this other routine, the old soft shoe routine that Tootie and her sister Esther Garland, Judy Garland, that they performed together. So they practiced this, but then they didn't really practice it too much. And it's a weird song that I'm sure is probably problematic because it's something about a bamboo hut and stuff. And It's Down in the Jungle is the name of the song. Yeah. Down and in I'm, the Jungle. And I just kept, like, luckily on the scale of watching movies from the 40s and like, oh my gosh, what am I about to see? It was just, it was, I actually was relieved that I yeah. was like, oh, okay. This is. Yeah, it, it wasn't what it could have been. Yeah. And it's not great. But it's it's not what it could have been. And I'm just like, man. And it is the end of the party. I mean, that ends the party down well, in the jungle. Yeah, because it wasn't a great routine. No. I would I would have been the jerk at the party. Like, what did did you all rehearse this or something? Yeah. What? what is this? Well, so everybody leaves. And so Judy Garland asks John Truitt to go through the house with her as she turns out the lights because she's afraid of the mice. Ma, you missed it. You missed them. You of all people, you missed the Garland move to get John Truitt to stick around. She hid his hat. (gasps) Yes, I remember now. She She put his hat like in a... She put it in the bread basket in, in the, the kitchen. Bread tin. And so then everybody picks up their hat because everybody's dressed the same, same straw hat and stuff. And then John Truitt says, I can't find my hat. And then Judy Garland's like, oh, what? Let me go look for it. That's sort of like me leaving my um, Steely Dan album at your father's trailer. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Exactly not that there the was not thing. that that was like you know pre-planned or there was any and so yes so she does that on purpose and she's afraid of the mice and she's humming the boy next door and to turn off the lights she turned off like a switch and then on all the upper lights so what is that gas and they mm-hmm. have to and so they have to literally turn the knobs to cut off the gas? Yes. Man. So if those if those lights had blown out and the gas was still going, they would have all died. From an explosion or from just the inhaling the gas? Inhaling the gas. <sighs> Man, 1903. <sighs> How did anybody live through it? I don't understand. Um, there was something that exactly the kind my grandmother uses. I think John Truitt said that 
which is no, not what you want. That was her perfume. Yes. And he says, uh, oh, that smells nice. It reminds me. That's the kind my grandmother uses. Oh, that did not go over well with mm -hmm. Esther Garland. It's not going to go over well with anybody. Anyone. But it, it does tell her you better change your perfume. And a song. But what if his grandma is fast? You know? What if, what if grandma's hanging on to her youth? And likes that, to wear I understand what the kids that, wear. But you still want a different scent I'll, than your grandmother. Oh, totally. But I'm just saying, like, it's we're looking at it as like, look at her. Her taste is old. But I'm flipping it as, man, grandma has ruined this young scent for this girl. Yeah, your grandmother would have done that to you. <laughs> if you only wore perfume. Ha ha! But I outfoxed <laughs> them all. You outfoxed that one. Then we have the song Clang, Clang, Clang with the Trolley. And I was like, I thought that this was a, what is her name? Channing. The, the Channing. Carol Channing? I thought this was a Carol Channing joint. I don't think Carol Channing ever sang that. Oh, Carol Channing sang about diamonds. Oh, I don't know. a girl's best friend. She did? And she sang about Dolly. She was always helloing Dolly. Oh, yeah. Hello, Dolly. Um, but yeah, I didn't know that this was clang, clang, clang went the trolley. Maybe I'm I had never in. seen this movie. Truth be told. I'm, I probably saw bits and pieces. I know right now Megan is going, what? Because when you were giving me the clues last week, Megan was yelling into her machine. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's meet me in St. Louis. How can you not know that? I didn't know this was me. Like this. I had never seen this movie either. And. For a very long time, I was wondering why it came up on the holiday list. I'm like, is this movie gonna make me look dumb? This is we're supposed to no, we're kicking is, off you, our holiday list. And you said it was different holidays, and it was because now we're coming up on Halloween. Oh my gosh, guys! Halloween in 1903 was weird and Whoever wild. Heard? <laughs> Throwing flour. Who ever heard? Kids no. just bo making a bonfire in the street. Yes. Going around killing adults with flour. They, they would throw flour in people's faces. Now, my mother never shared that with us. <laughs> They're, like, this is weird. I have so many questions now about the early 1900s. Now, they did make their own costumes, which my mother had us do. Oh, my gosh, um, guys, listening. I got so nervous when they were putting on the costumes yes. because the scene starts with what I thought at first was a very burnt marshmallow. Judy Garland's character is is roasting what I what I thought was a marshmallow, but then I'm like, wait a second, and then I see the kids, and I'm like, no, 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 do not put that. No, that's not like oh, cork. They're gonna do blackface. No, but they didn't. They, it was a marshmallow, wasn't it? I I think it might. It was something, and they because it, it fell off and went into the fire. Oh, and they just put it on. It was like ash to make them look dirty. Because I right got, because I got they were nervous. hobos. I know, but ma, I, Holiday oh, Inn has God. scarred me. I know. I was always a hobo. I there's actually a picture of me being a hobo on on Halloween one time, and we did put. Probably we. Oh my God! Oh 
my god black face in the family <laughs> oh my god well no, it was, you live in it virginia all, it's it was expected just, it was just streaks of it look but yeah so you look dirty and still, for dirt. even that is an affront to homeless people i mean nobody wants to be dirty <laughs> yes yeah that is it is true it is true and we lived by the railroad tracks and that and there were homeless people who lived along the railroad tracks and there was a certain part of the little town where i lived where we could weren't allowed to go because the hobos were there (laughs) so wrong side of the tracks as it were as it were and i was already on the wrong side of the tracks. so the wrong side of the wrong side of the tracks (laughs) oh man that sounds like a country jam and then somebody told the kids, be sure and wet the flower before you throw it. The it grandpa makes it did. better. Okay. Yeah, so then they go meet all the other kids who are all, like, one kid was dressed as a woman hobo, but with a really intricate, long facial mustache drawn on her face. And and then they're burning furniture. Just I in don't the middle understand of the street. that. I don't understand. How did the police not come and put that out? I don't know. And then there's this, the, the leader of the hobo kids was assigning people to go, to, quote, kill adults, yeah, yeah. which meant you rang the doorbell and they answered it. And then you threw flower. You said, I hate you, so-and-so. And then you threw flour in their face. Right. And so, you think you're going to get a treat from people? I, I guess it's 1903 and it was just trick. It wasn't or treat. That came I later. Because nobody had any treats in 1903. I mean, when, when your treat is an ice chip, you know. Well, that's true. You're not going to have treats. Yeah. So it was simply the trick part. And then probably adults were like, hey, maybe if we bribe them with something that tastes good and delicious, they won't throw flour in our faces. So it then it really became weird. trick or treat. It was I had super never weird. Heard of that. And so then the little girl goes up to like the creepiest house. They make her go to the creepiest house alone and she's a little girl and she does it because because she wants to prove how tough she is and we've already kind of gotten um that this 2D girl is a bit of a sociopath. Like she's she's definitely um marks off some check marks in that list because yeah. she's a she's a wild one. She's got some very interesting hot takes. And so she goes up and she, this little girl gives a hell of a performance. She's scared because the guy has a dog that's like a beautiful, what was a he? Bulldog. Like a bulldog. Yeah. And he, she's all super scared and she says, she croaks out, I hate you, Mr. So-so. And then she throws the flower on him and runs away. And then they come back and they're like, what the hell? And she's, because she's scared, and her sister, Agnes, sees her and says, what, what happened? She's like, I killed Mr. So-and-so. And, and Agnes, is, her mind explodes and says, what? And then she's like, hey, guys, 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 you got to hear this. Tell them. And she says, I killed so-and-so. And then all the kids around her are like, what? And then this one kid comes out and gives her a wooden chair. And she's like, yeah, now you're part of us. Throw the this wooden chair onto the bonfire. And you're just like, what is 1903 Halloween? And remember, 
that that every house has gas lines. So think about that with the bonfire. How close is the bonfire to the gas lines that go to every house? You know it's got to be close. And so then the guy who got the flower, he wasn't even mad at all. It was like he, wasn't. he knew. He was a good guy. Yeah, he was like, oh, children, kids beating kids. So he just wiped it off, and the dog was just eating up the flower. The dog licked it up going, this yeah, is good This is Good awesome. times. So, good times. Okay, and then they say she's the bravest of them all. And little Tootie says, I'm the most horrible. Yay! Yeah. Then we have a carriage. And in the carriage, we have the older sister, Rose, with another man, and they're eating ice cream. So Rose is like, hey, my man, what's his name? Wallace or whatever. Warren. Warren in New York. You, you didn't put a ring on it. I got to move uh, on. Right. I'm moving on. Then we hear a scream. It's Tootie. Tootie is screaming. We don't know what's wrong, and it has been an hour. Yeah, and this whole thing that happens with Tootie, I did not understand at all what happened. It's a weird, like, what? I don't even remember. I was so fixated on the fact that I didn't have to take notes anymore. I don't remember what happened to Tootie. Well, so Tootie, she gets... Everyone thinks that she gets run over by a trolley. Or no, everyone thinks that she gets run over. She says that John Truett tried to kill her and her, she has a busted lip and stuff. Oh, that's right. And so then Judy Garland goes over next door to John Truett and basically whoops his ass because she couldn't, she can't believe that John Truett tried to kill her sister. And without any evidence. Yeah, she, I mean, she just got that sister mad on, which I wasn't mad at. If, if my brother was like, oh, so and so tried to kill me. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to whoop. I'm going to ask questions after the ass is whooped. <laughs> so she was just whooping on him. And then they get the doctor. They stitch her lip up. And then, I don't know, it comes out that that there was something about there was a trolley and that because she was the most horrible, like 2D, they decided to stuff clothes um, stuff like clothes so it may look like a body and throw it in front of the trolley. To see, I don't, it, that part got weird. So it turns out, and then John Truett was the one that saw them do it and was kind of like, hey, hey guys, don't do this because these trolleys, you know, this is 1903. They're a bit rickety. I don't know if they can withstand hitting a stuffed. Uh, we, can't, we can't trust the brakes on them. Yeah. And we don't, we, these things, they might tip over. We don't know. It's 1903. Everything is a bit flim flam right now. And so I don't even know why they pinned it on him. Because I'm telling you, little Tootie's a sociopath. So she probably saw him as he was coming out saying, hey, this isn't a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So she was like being bad and then got caught. And then I don't understand how she got even her lip busted up if she did it to herself or something. Because she legitimately did have a busted up lip. Uh huh. And then so then Judy Garland finds out. Like what? And then she's Judy Garland's mad at her sister because you lied to me. What? He didn't even. I thought this guy like tried to kill you and he didn't. So then she goes back over to John Truett and John Truett has a chair out. Like he's just he wants no smoke from Judy anymore. And Judy apologizes and stuff. So that was 
I had no idea what went on with that. Yeah, that was weird. And then we had Thanksgiving and then we had Christmas. So it was a holiday movie. Christmas was toward the end. But um, so we're to our POC count, which was really hard to keep track of. None. Zippola. Zilch. Not even, I mean. Not even a a whisper. No black people. In St. Louis in 1903, according well, to this the, film. These, the neighborhood was the big-ass Victorian houses, but they didn't even have help. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, black people did not exist. Not in this part. Not even at the World's Fair. Okay, so nerd alerts. All right, nerd alerts. Okay, I have a couple. This was, film was in Technicolor. I know, because I kept thinking, was it black and white? But it wasn't, because I remember those purple and white stripes. So Technicolor, Technicolor is a process. So it was started in 1916, and it's processes for coloration. The tech part of Technicolor refers to MIT, where the three people who started the company went to school. So there's, it was the second major color process after Britain's Cinecolor. And it was used from 1922 to 1952. And it would, so there's different processes from those times. So, because it was started in 1916. And so they would have this process, this process. So this is, uh, this process in the, the Technicolor um, evolution, they would expose three strips of black and white film, and each of those strips recorded a different color of the spectrum. And then they would use subtractive synthesis rather than additive, because if you used additive, that requires a special projection and equipment. And the subtractive synthesis is that the co- you're able to predict what the colors are going to be between it by subtracting it. So if you have the three strips of color, and I'm not saying that this is what the three strips were, but I'm just trying to make it make sense. Because I didn't... I went into this late, and then I realized, wow, this is really complicated. I don't have enough time to get super into this. But, like, subtractive color would be that you're able to predict what the color is going to be. Because they're, they're only shooting specifically for, like, the three colors. And then whatever color is in between there, they're able to predict what it's going to be based on taking the colors away. So it's kind of like if there's something that is like with the primary colors, how red and blue come together and they make violet, right? Mm -hmm. Well, if you were to have something that, okay, we filmed this all in red and we filmed this, this one all in blue and then you put it together and if the colors, if there's something that, matches up where it's right in between those two colors you know that that color would be violet her purple stripes so 
Yeah, because it's it's just one of those things that you take for granted. Like, oh, it's Technicolor, it's color and stuff. But the science behind it is super, like, wow. Like, this took a lot to figure out how to yeah. do this. And we just take it for granted. We just take color for be- granted. Could that be a reason why they didn't have people of color? Because they weren't, they didn't know how to. No, Ma, it's racist. That was the reason they didn't have people of color. Oh, you don't know how. Like, that was, I'm sure that that was an excuse that was used. But how would that, then there would be, that? that's complete and utter bullshit. Like, are you Never kidding mind. me? <laughs> But that, but that's an excuse that people would use, like, oh, they have like it's black skin, so it's it absorbs all of the light, and that's why we can't have black people in the same frame as I, the white. I people. was just thinking early in this process, maybe there was something there going. We don't want to deal with that too. No, like I know okay. that that's like a way that you can look at it, and that's a way that certain people, like maybe people, will say, oh yeah, but. Let's just open the history book of the United States of America. And yeah, on one hand, you can believe that if you want to, or you can just believe that no, people are just racist. Well, <laughs> and they can label yeah. it as that. Like, Got it. I just thought I'd throw that out there in the atmosphere. Well, it, it's good to know because that's, you know, people will think that. So now you know, no, you can't use that as an excuse, mofos. Yes, basically. Get get your whack bullshit out of here. <laughs> but yeah, man, Technicolor, like and then it's just the whole thing. But anyway, the reason that Technicolor was able to be such a thing because it went from 1922 to 1952 and then mm-hmm. they like it's still around and then they would were coming up and you know, like we got to streamline this process. So then you know, science and all of that evolution, it gets more and more streamlined and stuff. Um, Vista color. I remember Vista color. Yeah, there's all these different color things because this is 1944, so we're dealing with film. You have to mm-hmm. figure out how to color film. And then, because like I was saying, how the additive color film, you would have, they would have to have special projectors. And, you know, that's oh. not, that's not very um, economic friendly for like i'm a theater owner and in order for me to to do this i have to buy this special projection yeah uh, it's like especially not. in the flyover states yeah so you're like what are we even doing here um <clears throat> also <laughs> what was that it was a snort it's a loud snort <laughs> yeah i was like is there a truffle somewhere <laughs> are we truffle hunting <laughs> Um, the song Meet Me in St. Louis that all the kids are singing, that's all the rage. <laughs> it was it was a hopping song. <laughs> it was actually published in 1904. And, ah. and this movie takes place in 1903. So, there you go. So, and nerd alert, that's an inaccuracy. Inaccurate. Inaccurate. And those are my nerd alerts. All righty then. We are two reheatables. Oh, yeah. Okay, so my negatives are the cult hair. <laughs> Which is the, AKA prairie hair. Urban prairie hair. The horizontal leggings. Oh, that's a tough one. Her thick ankles. She didn't even have thick ankles. She didn't. The fact that 
And I guess people, there was just, there were mice in, in everybody's house. Everybody had mice. Oh, I yeah, guess that's I why that. cats, people had cats. Yeah. I mean, ugh. and then the fact that um, somebody said about Rose getting a, a, a possible engagement, maybe she won't have to go to college. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Yeah. Saved by the bell. <laughs> Is you that it? All right. All right. So the, the very first time we see Tootie, she's coming from swimming. And her swimming get up, her <laughs> swimsuit. <laughs> How is... did that not weigh them down? Well, there I have so many questions on it. So it's basically something cotton, right? And I was like, oh, my God, this is super revealing. <laughs> Because when cotton gets wet, it clings to you. Yeah. So yeah. you're just like, well, there's little Tootie's butt. Th this is awkward. Nobody else is. Why do you think the Iceman lets her ride in the yeah, truck? Yeah. So um, swimsuits, the, the 1903 cotton bloomer swimsuit is definitely <laughs> on the negative list. The Iceman hanging out with the five-year-old is yeah. not aged well uh, oh you talked about uh her her one outfit but you you failed to to even say anything about her blue curtain outfit where <laughs> with all the with all the dingle things hanging actually off? it's a it's a cross mashup between a curtain and a lampshade <laughs> of that period because do you know how dusty all those all those Lots of tassels. I'm just going to say lots of tassels. It was, I don't use this term lightly, but it was a monstrosity. <laughs> a complete monstrosity. I'm, I said, uh, Esther Judy, you are not doing yourself any favors here. You are not. And if John Truitt is into you, he is a keeper. Because he is into who if he can you look are. Past that blue dress and the weird hair that you have going on and your big ankles, keeper. <laughs> and your eyes that are really far apart. I feel bad, but it's true. But I feel bad because she it's, she had so many mental problems. She had so many that. issues, and because Louis B. Mayer as well as others were so on her mother too, wanting for her to fit the stereotype. And she didn't. She was out of that. It, but her talent was bringing her in. It, it, yeah, yeah. Man, they messed with her head bad. Okay. Also bad reheatable. Weird 1903 Halloween we went into. I'm just yes. like, what? Who knew you could throw Anybody throws flour at me, you aren't getting any candy. Um, so we didn't even discuss this. The big thing that happens is that the dad gets offered a promotion to go to New York and cause he's going to make a lot of money and he says it, he's basically like, I'm supporting all of you all. I got two daughters who probably are going to need to go to college. Um, cause they can't get married. I got a son who's in college. Like I want to provide for my family. The company's moving me to New York city and nobody wants to go to New York city. They're all like, no, are you kidding me? We're going to miss the World's Fair. And the dad's like, it's New York City. Do you know how much money I'm going to make? 
It's a World's Fair every day. Yeah, they, like they give him such grief. Um, really good bagels, and check out the black and white cookies, the authentics. I'm just saying, yeah. it's a reason to move. And I'm sure that there's way more eligible bachelors in New York City than in St. Louis. But, and I'm not even saying that all things equal that people should, in St. Louis should want to move to New York City. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the dad was being promoted to make and giving an opportunity to make a better future for his kids. And his kids were giving, were treating him like he was a criminal for such a thing. But truth is they were going to move because he was the breadwinner and that's how it was going to be. Yeah. Excuse me. I'm an army brat. I yeah. never, there was never a, but, but I don't want to move. Cause guess yeah, what? Nobody gives a shit what I wanted. That's right. Nobody cares if we cried all the way to Leavenworth, Kansas. Now you're going to move to Kansas kid. That's how it is. You get zero yeah. say. That's so right. I didn't even get to, I, I didn't even know that I could even pout. All you could do is cry and listen to. I listened to the Whitney, Whitney? Houston, Whitney album. I listened the to that so life. much that my dad was able to do a re-recording of it all by memory. You broke, you broke the, you broke the cassette tape. Yeah. That, that's a great album. Whitney Houston, Whitney. The two of us cried the entire way to Fort Leavenworth. Yeah, because it's Kansas. And, and your, we your were dad right. and Adam were having a blast in the Alpha on the way to Kansas. Well, yeah, he was like a little kid. Yeah, he didn't know. He didn't care. He didn't have any real friends. Yeah, I was like, this is the only... And then I was like, oh yeah, I've moved my entire life. This is just the first move I can remember. Yeah. And, yeah. and then I was fine. I got, the, yeah. I got the move, Rust, and I'm like, this is how we're rolling. I got it. This is what we do. All right. You couldn't, <sighs> you had to get engaged before you got a kiss. That hasn't mm. aged well. And mm. also, world fairs. Do they even have them anymore? I don't know. Do they have, maybe expos? I don't. Maybe. I feel I like the world's fair got replaced by the Olympics. That's something else to investigate. Maybe. I'm going to write it down. Of just I'm bringing write the whole down. world together in a Ice way. and World's Fair. And we will investigate and let you know next week, people. Some of you are yelling into your we listening can't hear devices you. right now. How stupid can people be? Well, truth be told, yeah. we can be extremely stupid. We can stupid, be real dumb. We like to be educated. And so... You know, we take your, we would love your comments to explain to us what we are missing. We Lone Ranger? Okay. <laughs> Positive reheatables. She did have vertical stripes on the top. Yes. Positive reheatables was um, hating a bully. Wasn't it um, John Truitt who said he hated a bully? Or was it? No, was it her that said she hated a bully? I think it was her that said she hated a bully when she was whipping John's ass because she thought that he tried to he kill her, bully. the sister. Okay. And we all hate a bully. And we've all been bullied by one. All of us. Your positives? My positives. <clears throat> I think it is a good reheatable of how much of a sociopath little Tootie is. 
Well, the fact that we watch true crime and we know what to look for. And we're, I'm just like, man, she was a bad little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, More to follow. I, I, we just established this in the Gone with the Bushes canon, how I love me a good sigh. And when the dad was walking up the sidewalk and hears the song which you know he has heard so many times after a long day at the office supporting all that he can see he walks up and he hears them singing that damn song meet me in st louis uh freaking game and he just stops and gives a hell of a sigh and i was like you are in mvp contention my friend there you go and and we know what mvp sighs are yes i was like that was a great sigh and then when you find out that he doesn't want to have early dinner because he wants to just have a soak. I was have like, a soak. My man. Let me go. So I actually work today. You people are making ketchup, which in a few years we can buy from a bottle that's going to be so much better than the shit you're making. I'm telling you. And But then it's really weird to me. He comes down from his soak and he's wearing a suit. And I'm like, man, 1903 is weird. You have a soak and then you put on another suit? Weird times. I'm saying if Katie cooked the way she was supposed to, nobody would need ketchup to uh, Im- add to her flavors of her cooking. I mean, I used plenty of ketchup when I was growing up because my mother was, she told you she wasn't a great cook. Okay, well, that's a take. Okay. Um, Are those all your positives? No, because he had the suit on, and then I'm like, man, he's putting a suit on, and then August in St. Louis. That is no joke. Right on that Mississippi River. Another great reheatable is it makes me appreciate Heinz 57 ketchup, Pittsburgh's finest. I mean, that is a great ketchup. Not good for you, but... Who great I know, but fries. there are times when you need some Heinz. Yeah, it's just got a great, great flavor to it. Yeah, Heinz is the best. It is. All right. They make a brand now that is high fructose corn syrup free. I like you've thought of everything, Heinz 57. Everything. And it's pretty good, yes? It is. All right. And then probably one of the best reheatables. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. That's where the song comes. And then I, when they played it, I, I'm hearing the chords. I'm like, oh, that's why this is a holiday movie. Yes, yes. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Yeah. Megan could have told us that last week. Ah, oh, fantastic. Great reheatable. Right. It's a good song. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we are to MVPs. Right. My MVP Hands down is the bulldog eating the flower. Ah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I have co-MVPs. Okay. So my my one MVP is have yourself a merry little Christmas. I mean, that mm-hmm. has eclipsed this movie. Yeah. My, yeah. my co-MVP. Definitely the best song of the movie. Yes. My co-MVP is the dad. I thought the dad was hilarious. Dad was good. He he made me laugh a couple of times out loud. I just I just really liked the energy. I like how he brought it. I like how 
he he was kind of a dick, but he was also like a dad. And you kind of understood where he was coming from because he was the one that was the breadwinner. He made all of this happen and work. And yet... A huge Victorian house. Yeah. His children, well cared for. I don't... I mean, I don't want to... This is gonna. This is very delicate. What I'm gonna say, but what did the mom do? She had. She had the maid. This is what she did. She made sure that the maid had the meals on the table. She made sure that the maid, Katie, cleaned the house appropriately. She. She was in. Truth be told, though, she was in the kitchen. Yeah, helping with the ketchup making. She was helping cooking and stuff. And a lot of a lot of ladies at that point weren't. They left all that to the help. So um, yeah, so she was really running the the household and stuff, doing a lot of the intangibles. I happen to believe that she was a closet suffragette, oh. and soon she was going to join that movement and help women get the vote. Interesting. Yeah, I could see that. Much like Mrs. Banks from Mary Poppins. Mm. Okay. So, okay. So my recasting, I just redid it. Okay. I had a hard time. I only did one cast. I did one cast. I have Rose, Esther, John, and Tootie. That's all I did. Okay. I didn't even do John. Okay. Okay. So my Rose, the older sister, is Kiki Palmer. Yes. Mm-hmm. And my Esther, the younger sister, is Zendaya. Oh, I mean, you can put her in anything. And both of them have to be able to sing, and both of them can. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my John, I have Alfred Enoch. He is yes. the god. How to get away with murder. How to get away with murder, right. And my Tootie had to be a younger actress. Probably I needed her to be a few years younger than she is now. And who do I always go to for a young black actress? Marseille Martin. I looked her up too and I was like, oh, she's 15. Yeah, so I had to go with my fantasy cast. (laughs) Yeah. Although the little girl on Mixed Dish is She's pretty feisty. Hmm. So there's always that. I had I had, had Kiki Palmer being Esther, the um, Judy Garland role, mm-hmm. but I just couldn't come up with a rose for her. I didn't even cast a rose because it was just... I had mm-hmm. Issa Rae, but I wasn't happy with that because she's my, she's my go-to, you know, and I didn't want to do that. So... You know, in fantasy casting, because that was the role of Tootie was really confusing me. But in fantasy casting, I think, uh, uh, what's her face? Drew Barrymore. She would have mm-hmm. been a good Tootie. A la, a la. Like uh, after, after she did, um, E.T. E.T. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, would have been mm-hmm. good. All right, well, my recasting. So the maid, I was like, well, that's Cherry Jones because she looks just like her. Done and done. Okay. Um, Esther, 
I have Haley Steinfeld. Oh, that's a good one. I was like, ah, that's good. The mom, I cast Christine Baranski. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, she could step into that right yeah. now. And the dad, I cast Andy Richter. Yeah. I was like, yeah, there we go. Because he, he had to have some comedy. Uh, he would be funny, but he, then he would also be angry. But his anger would come out funny. Yeah. But there would also be real anger, but the real anger would come out funny. My fantasy cast, I was going to do Rose, the older sister, Wanda Sykes. <laughs> and then Esther would be, um, oh, dang it, girl's trip. Uh, Tiffany Haddish? Tiffany Haddish. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, that would be the, that the would, gangster that one. That would be a hilarious yeah. one. Make the mom uh, Angela Bassett. Or or even uh, Lavetta, L- Lavetta Div- Loretta Divine. It would be funny if the parents were the real life couple of Angela Bassett and Courtney B. Vance. That's true. <laughs> That's true. And then it would be funny because it would be An- like Wanda Sykes, who I don't think is that much younger than Angela Bassett. No, if she even is. Yeah. They might be the same age. And you know that Wanda Sykes would have... Just there would be at least once in the movie some kind of look where the audience would crack up because they all would be in on the joke too. Wanda Sykes on that telephone call to Warren Sheffield. <laughs> I, yeah, I can't hear yeah. you. Yeah, that would be that Warren. Would be epic. I'm just saying. Yeah, she turned around, it's like this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> this motherfucker. How dare you call me and just say we're talking? <laughs> And she just sits down. And is like he just wanted to 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 call. He, you know what that motherfucker said? He just you know what he, said? he didn't even call to say I love you. And then there's always like that would be a great song. I know it would. And then the dads, then Courtney B. Vance is like, I wish you'd sing that song instead of Meet Me in St. Louis. Exactly. And by the or way, it's St. Skip Louis. Skip to my Lou. Skip to my Lou. Uh, and then, the, and then Angela Bassett or Courtney B. Vance looking outside with Angela Bassett like, look at these white people on Halloween. What is <laughs> Who this? Ever heard? Ain't Throwing some flour bullshit. in my face. Okay, we're to Tasty Nuggets. Mm. Okay, I have Margaret O'Brien, the mother of Tootie. Mm-hmm. She was quite a stage mother, evidently, and she wanted more money for her daughter to play Tootie. I had this as well. Now, the cast lighting dude's daughter, they were going, okay, she doesn't have to be Tootie. We got we got our lighting dude. His daughter can be Tootie. So I think that uh, Margaret O'Brien's mother gave in. Because uh, what I read, it was they went all the way and got her fitted and everything, and then... They were like, man, but Margaret O'Brien is pretty good. Like, she's mm-hmm. got this child thing on lock. And it didn't say that she gave it. Maybe she did. Because then they were they relented and she was cast. And They then probably did a, did a um, screen test. Compromise. Uh, yeah. Because she is really good. Margaret O'Brien she was, was really, really good. good. Yeah. But is that all you have of that? Yeah, that's all I said with that. Oh, my. 
you Barry. Oh, there's more to that story. Tell me more. So then when they're on set, a huge light comes crashing down, yes. nearly killing Margaret O'Brien. And it was the lighting guy, and he yeah. did it intentionally. And they take him away, and he goes into a mental institution. Yes. Yeah. He was trying to kill her so his kid would have the part. Yep. Shit. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. JC, two years old. 20. Oh, I have that. Uh, Judy Garland was 20 years old when she did this. You said 22. I think I, I but I could be off. Now, they had given Judy Garland nose discs. Yes, because, okay, Dorothy Pondell was, Vincent Minnelli got Dorothy Pondell, who was a makeup artist. And he was, you know, they were like, hey, fix her up. Because, so Judy Garland was a child star and everything. And mm -hmm. this is from, you know, the podcast I was listening to. Episode 62, you must remember this. So Judy Garland, yeah, she did a movie called Wizard of Oz. But Wizard of Oz wasn't Wizard of Oz when it came out. It, right. it was, like, it did okay, but it wasn't, like, holy fucking shit, that's Wizard of Oz, you know? Like, it is regarded now. That was a slow burn with that movie. So she, Mickey Rooney was the bomb diggity. He had these, he wasn't even, his real name wasn't even Mickey Rooney. He changed his name to Mickey because that was a character that he played. And he wanted to just go by the character's name, but... The studio or whoever had the rights to that character was like, like, dude, you can't change your name. Like, that's a character. No. So he changed his name to Rooney. He wanted it to be Looney, as in the Looney Tunes, but he was scared of being sued again, so he changed it to Rooney. So Mickey Rooney was big time. He was like Leonardo DiCaprio around Titanic. Right. Just huge. Right. Like, his movies was what was propping up MGM. And he would always get cast, he was always buddied up with Judy Garland, and Judy Garland was always his sidekick. But they were, there was never any, she was always the sexless sidekick to Mickey Rooney. He never, Mickey Rooney never, character never ended up with Judy Garland's character. Right. She was just right. there. And so Judy Garland, she almost passed on this character because she was tired of being portrayed as the sexless sidekick to Mickey Rooney. Right. She wanted to, you know, flex her own muscles and stuff and be like, no, I can be pretty too. So when she got, she agreed to this finally, um, the director, Minnelli, he got this Dorothy Pondell, the makeup artist. So she extended and reshaped Judy Garland's eyebrows redid her hairline, modified her lip line, they put on dental caps, mm -hmm. and they removed nose disc. This said it removed nose disc, and then I was like, what are nose disc? So maybe that what maybe they added them or I don't know. So that's I tell me about the nose disc. For I heard for this they removed them. So I'm thinking um that they put something to help shape her nostrils yeah, before so they were putting these nose discs back in 
Yeah, they're probably still doing it and stuff. Probably. And it would reshape your nose. Right. And so for this, with all of that, the makeup artist was like, no, why don't we take them out? Let me do this other stuff. And so, yeah. She, she said it was the first time she felt beautiful. And she because had her written in every other MGM movie she did. That was her makeup artist from then on. Yeah, because this person said, you know, we don't have to do all this improvement. You are beautiful. Let me reshape your eyebrows, which everybody has done. Let me, you know, work on your lips, which Lord knows I could use. But let's take out these uncomfortable nose discs that are doing something to the shape of your nostrils. And, yeah. I mean, they they put her through a lot. A bunch. She had already, I think by this time that we're seeing this movie, had two abortions already. Oh, Wow. Yeah. And my thing said she had the dental caps removed. Oh, okay. So so they took out the nose discs and the dental caps and went, you know what? You're beautiful. Let's go with what you have. And and she was like, wow, because everybody's always telling me I need all this help to even be presentable on on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the uh, Vincent Minnelli and and Judy Garland married soon after this. This was, was this her second marriage? I don't know. I don't know either. I know that in 1947, she had a nervous breakdown. So that's after. Yeah. In this movie, a nervous breakdown is on the horizon. And she's already, you know, been taking pills and stuff because also, hold on, my paper fell. Well, in Judy, um, the movie, they show her and she's with Mickey Rooney at a at like a diner and they're supposed to be on a date. And she says to him, is this a date? And he goes, no, we're just friends. So she was like, she kind of felt like maybe it was a date and she thought maybe he could be her boyfriend and he's going, no, this is not. And, um, she wants to order a hamburger and her mother's there going, you, you can't eat a hamburger. You're not allowed to eat a hamburger. So, I mean, from she had, pre- the, she was on at the studio when she went to the commissary for lunch, she was only given chicken soup. I was going to say chicken noodle soup, but they probably, they just probably just meant the broth. They probably took the the noodles out. Yeah. She wasn't. Uh, yeah, it was ridiculous what they did to her. And so then, um, because that was such a thing, and she, you know, she was young and stuff, so she would then rebel by having hiding candy bars, yeah. and sneak off to malt shops and stuff. Yeah. And so then she, you know, of course, then she would gain weight, and then. This is the time of the studios. They had a bunch of power. So then they could prescribe thing of like here. And it might have even been her mother of being like, here, this is a nice Oh, yeah. Diet her mother pill. was into it because the, it was her gravy train. Yeah. So here, take this. What is, it's just a diet pill. It's like speed. Yeah. That's it's exactly just going to. it is. You're not going to be hungry anymore. And, and then you're going to need this pill to go to sleep because yeah. this one's going to keep you up. So you. It's, yeah. There you go. Now you're dependent. And she, you know, she had an unrequited love crush on Mickey Rooney. 
Yeah. And she did that a lot when she was younger with a lot of men who she thought she was like, oh, we're in a relationship. It's just being Mm -hmm. slow. But they're like, I'm married and you're just like a nice kid. Yeah. Or and you know that like, I mean, we already mentioned what Shirley Temple said. So, yeah, yeah. You can imagine the Me Too stories that Judy Garland would have if yeah. she had been around. She would have been like, oh, excuse, excuse me, guys. <laughs> Everyone, gather around. Why yeah. don't you have a seat? Take a seat. Because she <laughs> did say on record that, that um, what did they, because she has like a quote in the in the podcast. It's basically, oh, not that they didn't try. And that's what she said when she was alive. So you know that not that they didn't try means and she had to have she had that like the first abortion she had to have was because she got pregnant i think with the guy that was still married and her mom was like yeah you can't be having that right and i'm sure like the second one was similar circumstances plus you're in a whole bunch of drugs and stuff and you don't feel good about yourself so not Mm -hmm. a great mental health place i mean think of yourself in middle school isn't middle school like the worst for self-esteem? Everything is wrong. And and she was, she she didn't even get to go through that alone. She had all these people telling her, yeah, you're ugly. You're too fat. You have fat ankles. You That's probably what's wrong hard. with, with kids today. Because they have that now with social media. Yeah. Well, those are my tasty nuggets. What I got do some you more. Have? So, okay. Um, oh, okay. Margaret O'Brien was awarded the special a special juvenile Oscar for her performance in this in 1944. Oh. And so all of her awards were kept in a special room at her house. And in 1954, the family asked the maid to take the Oscar and two other awards home with her to polish them. And she had done this before. This wasn't mm-hmm. something new out of the ordinary. But three days pass and the maid hasn't shown back up to mm-hmm. work. And she never returned. And Margaret O'Brien's mother had a heart condition. And this was just too much for her. She just was like, what? She took ah, And her poor little heart gave out. Died. Oh, wow. Yeah, the mom died. And Margaret was 17 at this time. So she's kind of busy, you know, mourning her mom's death and everything. And then when a couple months pass, she's like, wait, where are my Oscars and my two other awards? So she went to find the maid. The maid moved just up and vanished. Yeah, I think. So a couple of years, maybe months, I don't know. But the Academy hears about it. And so they're like, no problem. Here's a replacement. But Margaret O'Brien was like, I mean, it's the Oscar that killed her mother. So she's always looking for that. So she would always kind of, she never stopped looking for it. She would go like memorabilia shows, all that kind of stuff. And just be like, has it come up yet? Has it, has it resurfaced yet? Um, so two memorabilia collectors eventually found it. And I think oh, they wow. paid like maybe 500 bucks for it or something. But 
so and then somehow they knew that she was looking for it. So on February seventh, nineteen ninety five, it was returned to her, and she was like, "Oh man, it had been like forty years by then." Mm-hmm. And she had this nice little speech where she said, "If anybody has ever lost anything of value and thought that you would never, re- you know, have it returned to you, like it feels good to ha- to have this returned to me and stuff." So I thought that was a cool little story. Yeah. Never let the help take home the Oscar to no. polish. Well, that that it goes without saying. I mean, come on. Yeah. So, oh, and then here's another interesting tasty nugget. The father, who was my MVP, Mr. Ames, February 12th, 1964, he and his wife were held hostage for $50,000. And he had to phone a business partner. The business partner got the money and brought it to the house. The guy who has helped, the hostage taker, looked it over. He bound up the Ames and then he had the wife go and drive him and then I think the business partner and another guest were in the trunk but before the business partner went to deliver the money the business partner made a phone call to the old polizai was like hey uh-huh. <laughs> FYI so the police were able to surround the car and apprehend the hostage person wow right Judy Garland recorded the trolley song in one take, according to legend. Wow. Um, oh, yeah, we already did that with the lighting guy. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Now, did you notice in the movie that some of the lyrics were different? I did not. I was like, hmm, that, I didn't think that's how it went. Well, originally this song was much darker, and Judy Garland... There's something where it's the first part of the song is supposed to go, have yourself a merry little Christmas. It may be your last. Whoa. And Judy Garland said, I'm not going to sing that to Margaret O'Brien. She's a little girl. This is dark. So they changed it. And then you'll maybe your last. Yeah. So then you'll hear it. And then the version that we're all familiar with, with, um, you know, friends and, who are near to us, travel dear to us, like all of that about the friends and that kind of thing, the uplifting part. That was when Frank Sinatra recorded it. He was like, this song is dark. What? And so he changed a lot of it to oh. be more, um, you know, happy and uplifting and about family. And that's the version that most of us know now. That we know now. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're like, man, this is... <laughs> Dude, what's what's going on with you? Ouch. Uh-huh. So this was nominated for four Academy Awards. Best Writing slash Adapted Screenplay. Best Color Cinematography. Best Scoring Musical Picture. And Best Song for the Trolley Song. And it is considered by AFI the 10th Best Movie Musical. Oh, okay. Movie Musical. Okay. Yes. Okay. I thought it was a weird movie. I thought it was too. I was like, that's what this movie's about? I felt like it was just a vehicle to get Judy Garland in a movie. Yeah, I guess it's just like, hey, let's, it's the war's going on. 
let's let's just provide some nice colorful entertainment to just entertain the people who aren't in the war i doubt yeah, i doubted I that combat vets like that this was one of the movies that they showed before D-Day. Uh, wouldn't you you know if you're on the front line wouldn't this be the movie you want to see before you check out like, no what? not too much but yeah singing and all that i don't know it, yeah it, family being with family you know for the holidays so maybe that was the idea i don't it's one of those so this is maybe in st louis huh yeah know. Yeah. But they're already in St. Louis. Yeah, but the other people who were coming to the World's Fair, unlike the Chicago World's Fair where, uh, you know, the serial killer had the hotel. The White City. Yeah. I read that book. H.H. Holmes, I believe. <sighs> Ooh, wee. Okay. Well, that was this week. Mm-hmm. And we are doing holiday movies now because Aaron will be coming to the east coast not soon enough but soon yeah. and so we have to get our holiday movies in and this is a request from our listener megan mm-hmm. so we're going to do the quintessential holiday christmas movie it's a wonderful life how can it not be oh yeah yeah, yeah. Megan requested it last year and we didn't get to it, so we're doing it this year. It's a wonderful life. Zuzu's Petals. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of that next week. Whoa, Clarence. And a, and a young Donna Reed. And um, yeah. Okay. Every time a teacher says, now, teacher couldn't say this now. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. I, I, I dare a teacher to say that in this time of enlightenment, but there you go. Now, Next week. There, believe me, there are plenty of teachers across this great nation who are still saying that. So dry your, little t- dry your little tears. Mrs. Pence right up the street at her. <laughs> yeah evangelical school so there you go do you have a date for this 1942 i don't i didn't even look it up Mm. i'm just assuming we can get it on itunes do you hear that listeners that's a ball being dropped it is indeed i dropped the ball it might even be on netflix so we'll let you know next week where we watched it as well as well as our info on ice, where it comes from, and what about the World's Fair? Oh, is there even a World's Fair anymore? 1946. That's my girl. Well, well, bye. Well, there you go. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.